You are listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast, and we're continuing the conversation on how to live from our heart to our head today. And um, yesterday we talked about Psalm 1 and living from Revelation. And I talked about resonation, about my heart being that core place inside of me, not necessarily my natural heart, but that core place inside of me where the things of God tend to resonate in me. And living from that place of where God is plucking the strings of my heart and resonating inside of me. So today we're going to jump right back into the conversation. We've got um, several more passages of scripture to work through today and tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. So we're going to jump right back in to where we left off. I was just talking about how a lot of times I have things that, that resonate inside of me, but I'm not aware of them until they they work their way out either through my artwork or the words I'm so let's continue the conversation about how to live from our heart to our head but it's always begins with that plucking of resonation somewhere deep in the core of my being You see, our soul, the part of us that's in charge prior to salvation, is our natural mind, our thinking mind, our intellect. It is also our will. And it is the part of our mind which is our emotions and emotional in nature. It's how we think, how we choose, how we feel. Tim Keller says that we have to be careful not to entertain self-salvation where we believe that good works produce good moral behavior and therefore salvation because in our lives we may produce a great deal of good moral behavior but still on the inside of us in our mind, will, and emotions We're doing it from a place of obligation. We're doing it from a place of it's the right thing to do. It's because it's the right thing to do. And there we are judging between good and evil. I'm not going to do what's wrong. I'm going to do what's right. And it may produce good works and moral behavior, but it does not produce salvation. Because the only thing that produces salvation is a choice that comes from faith, that comes from the Holy Spirit, where we have an awareness of our sinful state as human beings and the specific sins we've committed that put Jesus on the cross. And we take Jesus as our Lord by believing in all of the things that scriptures say about him. In our heart, you know, that inner place in the core of our being where it resonates with the things of God and the things of heaven. And we confess with our mouth that he is our Lord. That's where salvation comes. 
But if there's this misery and this contention on the inside because we do the good works and we have moral behavior, but we have no peace, we have no joy, we have, there's a chance that we're not walking by faith, but we're walking in our own strength. So how do we overcome this idea of knowledge in our mind, in our intellect, intellectual knowledge of God versus an internal experience of God that produces not only salvation, but it produces life and life more abundantly. See, if the Holy Spirit doesn't live in our mind, then when we feed our mind knowledge about God, and we just keep spooning it in and spooning it in, but never experience of him what we're learning about him, then all we have is this head knowledge with no true experience. And how many of you know that God is relational? He cut a covenant with Abraham. That indicates he was in a relationship with him. Abraham had an experience with God. Isaac had an experience with God. Jacob had an experience with God. All of Jacob's sons had an experience with God. Moses, Noah, Adam, they all had an experience with God. And how many of you know that when Moses had his experience with God, it was after the fall in the garden? Like, experiences with God did not stop when Adam and Eve sinned. Come on, that's a good word. How many of you know that after Jesus died and ascended to heaven, the apostles and the disciples and the early church continued to have experiences with God. They were not just reading information. And I'm going to tell you the truth. When you read in Scripture where Paul says, make sure you're adhering to sound doctrine and make sure you are uh, searching the Scriptures and you know the Scriptures, he would not have been referring to his own writing. He would have been referring to the law and the prophets because the only way to read Scripture was to read the law and the prophets. At the time that Paul wrote his epistles, there was no written documentation of the life of Jesus like we call the Gospels today. There was no New Testament as we understand it today. He said, stick close to the teachings that I've taught you. Stick close to the Christ that I've taught you about. And follow, read in the scriptures for yourself to see if what we're teaching you is true. Luke wrote about it as well when he said the Berean Christians searched the scriptures to affirm that what they were being taught was actually true. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come. See, um, on Tim Keller's website, where I did a little bit of reading on this subject, and I'm going to get into some more scriptures here in just a moment, um, he shared this quote from Jonathan Edwards that I think is very appropriate, and then I'm going to share an analogy from my own life experience that may be helpful to you. He says, 
John Edwards says, or Jonathan Edward, Edwards, I should say, says, your mind can know that honey is sweet, and people can tell you it's sweet. You've read books about it, any of this resonating, but you haven't actually tasted it. So you know with your head, but not with your heart. When you actually taste it, you experience it yourself. You know it in a full way, and you can know it in your heart. Please, Lord, let us know you that way. You see, for some years, I have been praying, God, I want to know you the way you know me. I want to know you the way you know me. And while I understand from my reading of Scripture that perfect knowledge will come when I come face to face with Christ in eternity, Right now, in the here and now, in my life on earth, I want to know him as fully as I may know him. And the truth is, I have to have a knowledge of his word and an understanding of his word and an experience of him in my life. You see, Scripture tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's in the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What else does Scripture tell us about this subject? Well, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read from 6. to verse 16. And it's also in the Passion Translation, so it may read a little differently than yours. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonder, and this is Paul writing, of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages, to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world understood it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scriptures say, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries mysteries through the Holy Spirit. You see, God has a heart too. And he speaks to us heart to heart through his Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. The Holy Spirit constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit. So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. 
For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Holy Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. You see, we cannot mentally assent to the revelation of God's truth only. We must have the revelation of the Holy Spirit illuminating scripture, giving light and life to scripture for us and creating an experience for us out of what we read. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. You see, when Christ lives in us fully, bodily, in our heart and in our mind, In our heart, our mind becomes his possession. That's what I want to say. When Christ lives fully in us, in our hearts, our mind should become his possession. Our souls should bow low to him. Our emotions should bow to him. Our will should bow to him. And the spirit should be the guiding force in our lives. But so many of us are so trapped in our mind that we never get to this place of heart knowledge or understanding. And so what if the reason for that is, is we don't, is we think about it from an earth to heaven perspective instead of a heaven to earth perspective? What if our understanding of that comes from the, the idea that Jesus lives fully inside of us? The spirit of God indwells us And fills us to overflowing with all of who Jesus is. And so what if what we need to do is not get the knowledge we have in our head to our heart. But what if what we have to do is get the experience of God that our heart knows into our head. So the things we know are made understood to us. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because you say, oh, well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can understand it? That's what Jeremiah said, isn't it? That a man with, Jesus himself said that a man with an evil heart will do evil things, but a man with a good heart will do good things. But the Apostle John wrote something beautiful in his first epistle. He says that when our hearts condemn us, It is God who is greater than our condemning heart. That's good news, beloved. Because if Christ dwells bodily within us, and the same power that raised him from the dead dwells within us, all we have to do is submit and surrender to him. Submit and surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit. And we will overcome our 
the wickedness of our hearts before Christ indwells them. Well, that's all the time we have for today. This is the end of day two of From Our Heart to Our Head. We're going to wrap this up tomorrow, and, uh, and, and I'm going to share some personal things about how I've grown to understand this in my own life. And again, this is fresh revelation. This is something that happened for me just on Sunday this week where God began to reframe the way I think about it because I've said it before. We've got to get the knowledge in our head into our heart. But again, what if God is asking us for, to live from a completely different perspective? And that's what we're going to explore tomorrow. So right now, I just want to encourage you to jump over to our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com. Check out our retreat, our events. We have Bible study and we have um, our upcoming April retreat, which is uh, our passion to purpose retreat. We're going to encourage you to discover what you're passionate about and then move through how to equip you for purpose and maybe set some things in place for that equipping. You can also sign up for um, at an additional expense for a coaching session or an additional ministry session that's private. Um, but that is completely your call. Um, so anyway, we are renting a house here in Granbury, and we will be staying two nights and providing you five meals for the registration fee. We are taking registrations through the end of February, so you've just got a few days left. If you register by March the 1st, you can break it up into three payments of $75. After March the 1st through March the 15th, you can break it up into two payments of $112.50. So we would love for you to join us to come with us on this retreat and learn, learn, learn more about yourself, about God, and about what He's purposed you to do in your life. And as always, I want to remind you that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast on Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. This show airs Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. To learn more about this podcast, its network, or the ministry of Blooming Inspired Network, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and select the podcast link at the top of the page. Thank you for listening.